This is KGNU's Morning Magazine for Friday, November 11th of 2022. I'm your host, Kiara Damari. Thank you for joining us here on listener-supported community radio. Coming up on today's program, it's Veterans Day, and we hear how Boulder County is helping veterans heal through art. After that, we hear about the three muses in our exhibit downtown this weekend. Then, it's live sports talk today with Jimmy Searfoss on the late Peter McNabb. A BBC News update is at the bottom of the hour. After that, it's connections. As always, the phone lines will be open. Your call is invited to discuss last Tuesday's historic midterm election. Join Liz Lane, Tony Robinson, Jim Bakes, and Joel Edelstein to discuss why the red wave wasn't and what it means for the next two years and beyond. At 9.30, Meredith Carson will be in the Boulder studio for the Morning Sound Alternative. There's still... That's all still ahead this morning, but first, the headlines with KGNU's Stacey Johnson. Unofficial vote totals now show support for a new library district in Boulder, Gun Barrel, Gold Hill, and El Dorado Springs by over 2,000 votes. If voters ultimately approve the measure, the Daily Camera reports annual residential property taxes will increase by $23 for every $100,000 of homeowner values. Commercial property owners will pay $98 for every $100,000 of property value. The companion measure before Boulder City voters, Issue 2C, titled as Repeal of Library Commission and Tax if Library District Created, currently shows a majority of support and will only go into effect if Issue 6C passes. Issue 2C asked Boulder City voters to release the current municipal control of the library system and city-specified property taxes if ballot issue 6C passes. For statewide election news, current unofficial vote totals for the United States Congressional District 3 race show Republican incumbent Lauren Boebert leading by 1,122 votes over Democrat candidate Adam Frisch. Boebert gained a lead over Frisch yesterday. According to the Denver Gazette, several thousand votes still remain to be counted in the district, and voters have until November 16th to cure any rejected ballots. County clerks are also expecting an undetermined amount of ballots by military and overseas voters. The Board of Education of Jefferson County Public Schools unanimously approved Thursday to close 16 elementary schools because of decreased enrollment in the district. According to the Denver Post, the closures will take place next year and will affect 2,400 children and 422 full-time staff. Communities affected by the closures include Arvada, Lakewood, Littleton, Westminster, and Reet Ridge. The Denver Post reports that Jefferson Public Schools is experiencing one of the largest enrollment declines in the state and is also planning on closing secondary schools next year in order to complete a district consolidation plan. For other school closure news in nearby Denver, Denver Public Schools announced a partial reversal of its recommended list of school closures Thursday by removing five schools from the initial recommended list of 10. According to the Denver Post, the district's proposal has drawn scrutiny from parents and community leaders because of a lack of community input. The Denver Post also reports all but one of 10 initially recommended schools has a higher percentage of students of color. The elementary schools no longer recommended for closure are Columbian, Palmer, Colfax, and Whittier K-8. The DPS Board of Education will vote on the school closure plan at its November 17th meeting. 
The Colorado State Board of Education on Thursday approved social study standards that add back references to people of color and the LGBTQ community. KGNU's Christian Gerdebe has more. The Colorado State Board of Education removed a language that referenced people of color and LGBTQ individuals from standard social studies curriculum following critical feedback from board members and the public in 2019 when a state bill passed that mandated more inclusion of more diverse views in social studies and history classes. After pushback from both sides and years of debate, the board scrapped the standards. They have come back around and voted along party lines, 4-3. to three. According to the Denver Post, the passage of the social studies standards makes Colorado one of the first states to fully include marginalized groups and LGBTQ individuals in its social studies standards. For KGNU, I'm Christian Garibay. Health officials are warning Coloradans that COVID-19 cases are on the rise. The state's epidemiologist, Dr. Rachel Herlole, said more than 300 people were hospitalized with COVID-19 in the state as of Tuesday afternoon. That's compared to around 200 last week. Earlier in the week, the Colorado Hospital Association announced that local hospitals plan to reactivate the transfer center, deactivated in March, that helped provide more beds for patients during the worst points of the COVID-19 pandemic. The Denver Post reports the transfer center is currently trying to manage children with RSV rather than adults with COVID-19. Dr. Kevin Carney, Associate Chief Medical Officer at Children's Hospital Colorado, told the Denver Post earlier in the week the hospital has set up a tent outside to care for less severely ill kids when the emergency department is full and will send children with less complicated conditions to adult hospitals. Carney said the hospital is is also planning on delaying non-emergency procedures, using flexible spaces for more beds, and hiring short-term staff to manage the surge of patients. The Denver Archdiocese has released a document recommending that they choose to not enroll and re-enroll LGBTQ students. KGNU's Jack Armstrong has more. The Denver Archdiocese sent out a 17-page document earlier this week to Catholic schools across the Front Range, recommending they not enroll and re-enroll LGBTQ students. The 17-page document entitled Guidance for Issues Concerning the Human Person and Sexual Identity also gave pointers on treating gay and trans parents differently from heterosexual couples. The Archdiocese guidance sanctions schools and administrators to not allow the use of pronouns that are at odds with the student's biological sex. It also urges administrators to treat the LGBTQ community with charity and prudence. After the document was sent, Marty Moore, the head of Out Boulder County, invited the Archdiocese to the Out Boulder headquarters to meet LGBTQ youth and end the stereotypes that fueled the document. A news release from Out Boulder County commented, We hope the Archbishop will take this opportunity to educate himself and put an end to harmful ideas about LGBTQ plus people in the Colorado Catholic Church. For KGNU, I'm Jack Armstrong. The Jefferson County District Attorney's Office charged two juvenile suspects Thursday with first-degree murder because of their involvement with a fire at a Lakewood apartment complex. A 31-year-old mother and her 10-year-old daughter died in the October 31st fire. The fire also injured 10 people and displaced residents from 32 units at the Tiffany Square Apartments. Lakewood police arrested the two male juveniles on Sunday.
Longmont will host its annual Veterans Day Parade starting this morning at 11, 11 a.m. The parade route will begin at 8th Avenue and end at Roosevelt Park. The Boulder Chamber will also honor veterans and active military members today by lighting the star on Flagstaff Mountain this evening starting at 6 p.m. Today's weather forecast includes sunny skies with highs in the upper 30s and calm winds from 3 to 7 miles per hour. Tonight, skies will remain clear with temperatures ranging from 15 to 20 degrees. The current temperature in Boulder is 22 degrees. For KGNU, I'm Stacy Johnson. You're listening to The Morning Magazine. I'm your host, Kiara Damari. It's Veterans Day, a federal holiday set aside to honor military veterans of the United States Armed Forces. Many combat veterans still struggle with the trauma of their war experiences. There's a large sculpture project taking shape in Boulder County that's helping veterans heal through art. Sam Fuqua reports. Sculptor Robert Bellows is in his yard, cheering on a newcomer who's learning how to pound out a metal feather on an anvil. This is eighth-inch steel we're making a uh, tail feather out of, and there will be, mm, gosh, probably a thousand or fifteen hundred of these feathers on there. It's going to be a lot of feathers. The feathers will be welded onto a metal phoenix that's rising almost 20 feet up here next to the anvil. The phoenix is facing an equally large metal dragon standing a few feet away with wings spread wide. This is the Warrior Storyfield Project. Veteran Bob Lacey describes the scene. What we have is really three sculptures. One is a dragon, which is the war narrative the war experience, and a phoenix bird, uh, which is the transformation. And then the space in between is really the most important part. Lacey was a combat medic with the 4th Infantry in the Vietnam War. To him, that space between the dragon and the phoenix represents a difficult decision veterans have to make when they return home. There's a choice to be made there, and the choice is, do I continue to let the war narrative control my life, or do I take the risk to move towards the transformation and the unknown? Lacey says it took him over 40 years to come to terms with that choice. I think one of the things that is most difficult for people to understand, even the veteran and the families, is that war changes us. And when we come home, the person who went to war is not the person who comes home. That person is gone. And understanding that fundamental change is the most difficult part for the veteran and the society. Artist Robert Bellows is about the same age as Bob Lacey, but he did not serve in Vietnam. The draft system at the time was a lottery, and those with low numbers were drafted first. Bellows got a high number. And at that time, I kind of just shut myself off from anything to do with war. It was kind of like, you know, phew, I don't have to do that. And like so many civilians, I no longer paid attention to uh, those who went to fight. And 
there's a certain embarrassment in, in that. 30 years later, a couple of Vietnam vets came to Bellow's metal shop and asked him if they could help him with the sculpture he was working on at the time. That collaboration eventually led to this project. They've been at it almost a decade, working outside Bellows' home in rural Boulder County. He estimates that 50 or 60 people, veterans and non-veterans, have contributed serious volunteer time to the project. There's a core group of eight or nine, including Bob Lacey, and Andy Morris, another Vietnam vet and a retired military officer. So I still don't think I'm an artist, but uh, I have fun poking fun at Robert and saying, you know, is this, is this feather exactly the way you want it to be bent? Morris and his son built an eight-foot forge on the property to help craft some of the largest metal feathers. It's a place I can work with my hands, which I find very soothing, if that's the word for it. I just think it's wonderful. I wish we could find a place to put it when it's all done. God knows when that'll be. Sculptor Robert Bellows estimates it'll take another three to five years to finish the sculptures. Then they hope to place them in a large park somewhere so that it can become a peaceful community gathering place and a place that can help veterans heal. Bob Lacey. Even for the newer vets, telling their story and focusing on the impact of war um, is not what we want to do when we come home. We want to get married and go to school and get a job and don't want to deal with what we, um, what we experienced. There is a cost to killing and destroying. And make no mistake, that is what we're sent to do in your name, uh, America. We are sent to do that. And there's a cost. And it doesn't matter whether I'm the one who pulls a trigger or I'm, I'm a support troop. You're one of two, but either way, you're involved with the killing and the destroying. And there's a cost to the soul in doing that. Or you can call it the psyche, if you wish. But when we come home, the last thing we want to do is to focus our attention on that. We want to forget. Um, and more than that is we don't trust the society that we come back to anymore because they're the one who sent us. I mentioned uh, earlier that it took me 40 years before I ever told my story um, or heard uh, another veteran's story um, of going to war or coming home. And my hope is that the story field will save other veterans 20 or 30 years of struggle and, 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 um, and pain in, in, in trying to heal from their experience of war. Uh, and if that happens, um, I, I will feel like we have and I, I have uh, done a great service uh, to other servicemen. For KGNU, I'm Sam Fuqua. You can find out more about the Warrior Storyfield Project and see some photos of the sculptures on our website. Today, the Three Muses, an all-woman art group, will hold an exhibit to raise awareness in support of fellow women in art. KGNU's Rosanna Longo-Better went to check it out. My name is Topaz, and I am a poet, and I bring the words to the Three Muses. I bring the poetic rhythm, the philosophy, and I bring 
a verbal element to the Mises. I'm very excited to share brand new poetry from my book and poetry that's never been heard before that will warm the hearts of the audience, romantic poetry, soulful poetry, and uh, maybe some poetry that might bring a tear to your eye. Tell us about your book. I am an author. My book is called My Mind's Eye, Poetry and Visual Art on Social Justice, Philosophy and Identity. Very long name. It was published in 2018. and has 11 years of my poetry in it, as well as visual art from the last 15 years. Ratna, I know that you bring your art. I connect with your art a lot. Why? Because it has layers. And I feel I'm a person with layers. So what are the layers that you are bringing this time to the Three Muses exhibit? Yes, I'm bringing a visual component of this uh, Three Muses event. I'll be showcasing my brand new collection that I'm very proud of. Uh, it will incorporate ancient Mongolian script. Um, in fact, I'll be using a brand new technique that I never used before for my art, including foil letterpress and um, gold press on a handmade paper. So it's a new texture of the works that I'm creating. What do the layers represent? Well, I think especially a post-pandemic world, everyone is staring at the screens on a daily basis so much that our eyes um, sort of used and tired of the totally flat screen and texture and layering creates this visual um, interesting effect that stimulates our brains and it's basically working like a gym for a vision. We also have Jennifer and Jennifer is bringing something that I think is it's the language of God's mm. music. So how is it that you are combining the power of music to the scene of the three muses? What I think of, when I think of singing, I think of it, especially if you're doing the act of singing yourself, either for the person singing or the one receiving the singing, it's kind of a somatic, full body experience, especially using your voice, as we're doing right now. Um, so, <clears throat> It becomes a very, it's a very intimate and improvised, immediate experience. The wonderful thing about jazz music, which is what we do, is that it's never the same. Each performance is different. The energy is always different. The way we play is different. The solos are different. So when you are there watching a jazz performance, you are watching a piece of art that's coming to live in front of you that you will never experience again. Please tell me about the magical idea of bringing yourselves together to put out an exhibit that has the three components. I know both Topaz and Jennifer for quite a while, and I had this idea of us uh, bringing poetry, music, and arts to Boulder scene for quite some time. Uh, we've been in search of a perfect space to um, host the event, and I truly believe in talents of both Topaz and Jennifer, and I think bl blending our talents all together in one evening is something beautiful because uh, the guests are getting stimulus on a you know, mind level, visual level, and um, sound level. 
Um, and we're so happy about this event. I think it's going to be very enjoyable evening to attend in Boulder. I'm inviting everyone to come and see Three Muses live and experience the magic of when Three Muses are getting together. How can art be um, healing? Mm. How can it bring us together? How can it heal us? Uh, yes, I'm very humbled to say that despite of this political propaganda that we're undergoing at the moment, I'm proud to say that I have two American friends who traveled in Russia, who spent some time of their life in Russia, and know that not everyone from Russia is an enemy. And by this event, I hope to uh, break the stigma and unite uh, all of us using arts, Um, and so far it's going very well. Is there something else that you want to add? I think we actually cross, as, a, as the three muses, we cross multiple boundaries and like divisions because we're also um, of different ages, different races, different countries, and we are still artists that create together and support each other and it's pretty amazing <laughs> it's true topaz hooper a poet is in her 20s mm -hmm. i'm in my 30s uh jennifer in her 40s uh, we do coming from a different background but um um it doesn't stop us to you know connect with each other connect with a lot of people around us uh, mm -hmm. and bring a lot of people together uh, despite of uh, you know many things as Jennifer mentioned race age group religion and mm -hmm. um, nationality, uh, nationality. Um, I think our event of three muses and our collaboration is a beautiful thing especially at this politically and racially charged times mm. that we're undergoing and our collaboration together is a beautiful picture of uh, united vision and uh, a vision beyond the borders or any stigmas um, and it's so beautiful that we're bringing this in boulder uh, because you know um, I think community of Boulder know that it's not very um, diverse. diverse. <laughs> And uh, I think this is one of the most diverse uh, art collaboration that Boulder scene have seen. <laughs> I second that. Absolutely agree. <laughs> And um, I think we're a tribute to what happens when you look to the soul level of people. Uh, like Jennifer and Rodna said, we all have different exteriors. But our hearts are in the arts and our hearts are in making change and, and connecting people and making folks laugh and feel and and experience. And I think people who come to this event will feel something and I think it'll be a positive feeling. Hopefully that will be a light in such a dark and interesting period that we're in and having one night of a mixed collaboration of art where you can just get lost in the music and the poetry and the artwork and connect with others who are warm-spirited and art lovers too, I think will be a really special experience for the Boulder community. I have been speaking with Topaz Hooper. She is a poet, part of the Three Muses. I have also been speaking with Ratna Siegel. She is the painter. 
And finally, with Jennifer Davis Flynn, she's the jazz singer in these three muses of arts exhibit that will be on November 11 from 7 to 10 at the 3450 Penrose Place. For KGNU, I am Rosanna Longobetter. You're listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. I'm your host, Kiara DeMurray. Up next, it's Sports Talk. When the Powerball reached $1.9 billion, people come up and ask me, what would you do if you won the jackpot? And I said, I'd host a sports radio show on community radio. All right, please welcome Jimmy Searfoss into the studio today with the best sports talk show on KGNU. Jimmy, what do you have for us today? Thank you, Kiara, for such an honest and raving review. Um, It's been a tough year when it comes to broadcasters. We earlier this year lost Vin Scully, the longtime voice of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And on November 6th, the Colorado Avalanche lost their longtime voice in Peter McNabb. And it's been about as long as humanly possible with Peter McNabb. He's been there since the very first puck drop of the Colorado Avalanche since 1995. He's been their television color analyst. Wow. Well, did he play as well? Or? Yeah, he was a player and a dang good one, too. Mm-hmm. He spent 14 years in the NHL. But he bounced around a few teams, played for the Boston Bruins for half of his career. He played center, and his career in the NFL, uh, NHL actually began before uh, he got drafted by the Buffalo Sabres out of the University of Denver. He spent uh-huh. here uh, three years playing since 19, and he got drafted in 1972. Mm. So he began to commentate then? Yeah, after uh, he retired in the 18 or 1986 to 87 season, he came into the booth for the New Jersey Devils. And then he left there when the Colorado became uh, a team back in 1995 and 96. And he was one of the longest tenured analysts before he passed. He saw pretty much the highest of highs and the lowest of lows with the Avalanche. Everyone knows that that team has been up and down. So <laughs> his very first year in the booth, they actually saw a World, uh, Stanley Cup championship when they won it back in 1996. And since then, they've been up and down. They won one in 2001 where he was there. And then right before he passed, you know, recently in his last season, he was able to witness one more Stanley Cup with the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche when they won it this last season. Uh, his accolades on the ice and in the booth earned him a spot in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame in 2021. And 21, uh, <laughs> busy year for him. He was also diagnosed with cancer in August of 2021. Uh, and that actually had him leave the booth for a while. Uh, he actually up, ended up returning in time for him to see the championship win, though. Yeah, and how have people reacted to his passing? Well, it, everyone's really sad. <laughs> especially in the Colorado Avalanche organization. Uh, They dedicated last night's win to him. Um, They played a very nice video before the game, played all of his favorite music during the game, the Beach Boys, the DJ played. They also dedicated all of uh, last night in their their memory, in his memory. The Boston Bruins also did a very nice uh, pregame memorial to him. And I thought what most really touched my heart the most was the Colorado Avalanche... uh, booth the analyst booth was his seat was left open during the entire broadcast and he was known as a a great guy around the Colorado Avalanche and he's going to be beloved by everyone and he's known as to be a great role model for what a broadcaster should be and that is pretty much all the time we have for today this has been sports talk with Jimmy I'm your host Jimmy Searfoss thank you for listening and we'll see you next week on the next segment of sports talk with Jimmy here on KGNU thanks for joining That's all the time we have for today's Morning Magazine. I've been your host, Kiara Damari. Special thanks to Stacey Johnson, Jack Armstrong, Christian Garibay, 
Jim and S- Jimmy Searfoss, Alexis Kenyon, and Rosanna Longo-Better for their contributions to today's program. Up next, it's Connections. This morning, we will be talking about why the red wave wasn't. And after that, news up. That's after a news update from the BBC.